Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. There, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I'm Lot Lady of Tarth. Hyphen posts on Tumblr or at the Lady of Tarth on Twitter. Joined with uh, Guile. Hi, I'm Guile. I tweet at Door Podcast. And Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chickren on Twitter. Fantastic. Uh, thank you all for joining us for our reread of Jamie 2 from A Feast for Crows. Um, spoiler warnings, um, if you have never listened to Close the Door and Come Here, we spoil everything. Plus, um, there is a trigger warning for the potential of rape discussion in this episode. So this episode opens with a funeral procession of Tywin Lannister, and it's a pretty grand affair. Uh, hundreds of knights and lords being escorted out of King's Landing. Uh, Jamie's speaking with Kevin, telling him that the Lannister versus Lannister only benefits their enemies. Kevin is taking Lancel to Derry to wed. Um, Lancel is riding behind them. His eyes look hollow and his hair is dry and white, brittle looking. Jamie remembers Tyrion's words of Cersei's infidelities, and Nick, you know, he looks Lancel over, and he's like, "Yeah, this is this. He's got to be making this up. Look at this guy. <laughs> uh, his phantom, <laughs> Poor <Lancel laughs> his phantom fingers twitch." Too is the other phrase he keep getting seeing every time he gets angry. His 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 phantom fingers twitch. Um, he wanted to talk to Lancel, but there never seemed to be any kind of alone time. He was always with his father or some septon. Jamie takes another look at Lancel and thinks, um, well, I already said that. He like Tyrion must, uh, must be lying. Uh, rumors of the brutality at the salt pans has spread far and wide, and Cersei wants Sandra Clegane's head. Jamie tells Kevin that uh, any other lord could deal with the outlaws, but only he would make a good king's hand. And Kevin replies, your sister knows my terms. Tell her that next time you are in her bedchamber. Oh, Ooh, snap, bristly. <laughs> yeah, Kevin gets some good one-liners here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jamie had hoped uh, Cersei was wrong about Kevin, but it's pretty clear that he knows the truth about them. And then he wonders if his sister would have Kevin killed. It's <laughs> a, a pretty good wandering Jamie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, could you imagine, like, you know, when you really think about, like, oh, this is the love of my life, the most incredible woman. I wonder if she's going to kill my uncle. Like, <laughs> right? Like, hmm, maybe rethink your choices, Jamie. <laughs> This is not normal. <laughs> See, Lancel rides um, beside him, and uh, Jamie ta- takes the opportunity to antagonize him. He tells him that he's sorry he's going to miss his wedding. Uh, he'll especially miss the betting. Um, he says, "I understand it's you know not your wife's. It's her, not her first time, but her second time married. And you know she'll show you what to do." 
And Lancel says, I know enough to do my duty. And Jamie responds, oh, just what every bride wants to hear. Yeah. Okay, I love that the supposedly celibate Kingsguard is the one who's making fun of the bridegroom here. Like, what is this? Like, is this normal? It must be. Everybody just acknowledges that they're not really celibate. Well, I mean, he was like 15. That's why I think they probably assume that in this world he like had sex once. I don't know. I guess so. It's like when he talks to Peck about it and stuff. It's yeah. just like nobody thinks these guys are so so like Jamie has such a wedding night kink, by the way. Like clearly oh, he God. totally I mean, he's worse. Like honestly, he's kind of just as bad as like a girl now with her Pinterest board. Like he kind of <laughs> dream Oh well because when Peck is gonna sleep with Pia, he tells her, you know, like you treat her like you would your wife on your wedding night and stuff, your bride. And then this too. That's what and she And he said. has like, like very specific, yeah. I mean, just, he has very yeah. specific ideas about what happened on wedding nights, despite never having had one. <laughs> yeah. And clearly dreams about like this, like wonderful romantic wedding night, like, you know, a girl with a Pinterest board. Okay. Although actually, I feel like they don't give a shit about the wedding night. They really just only care about like the wedding. What kind of mason jar centerpieces they're going to have? Yeah, I feel like guys Is do, that still a do thing? care about the know. wedding night, whereas girls are all about the centerpieces. <laughs> oh, the mason jars? Yeah, they're all over the place yeah. still. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, let's see. Oh, Lancel responds. You know, I pray for Cersei. May the crone lead her and warrior defend her. And Jamie says, Why would Cersei need the warrior? She has me. Jamie then. I love that he says this out loud. That's not like in his head. He says it. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, that is maybe one of the douchier things that he says. And not it all. is also not uncoincidentally one of the things that our, our um, Jamie Cersei shipper friends always like use this quote in like their stupid like, <laughs> like little images and stuff. Like well, I can just picture the cursive font and stuff. <laughs> well, it is a stupid comeback. Like... <laughs> And, and like even like the description of it of him like turning his horse around and then his white cloak is snapping in the wind <laughs> like this it's like if you can't best, and if you can't really I mean it's like you're so it's so wasted on Lancel at this point like if you can't best poor Lancel who I mean he's basically recovering from like let's not forget Cersei has been poisoning him for you know months we'll and watch. months now we'll so, watch that yes. I feel like we're totally right. Like, I'm obviously, I think we're right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so yeah, think he's Kevin no... must be suspicious. You think? You'd hope so, oh, but I mean, to, I don't think he. I mean, I don't think to want to get Lancel out of there. I think he is suspicious about what went on with Cersei and Lancel, and that is why he's, hmm. you know, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. See, uh, Jamie. Th- thinks the imp was lying again. Cersei uh, would sooner have Robert's corpse between her legs. That's a pretty picture. Anyway, (laughs) Jaime heads (laughs) back to the city, feeling empty with uh, Tyrell men having left for Highgarden or Storm's End. Only 2,000 Lannister men remained behind, waiting to be taken to Dragonstone by way of Blackwater Bay. Cersei had brought Tommen out to their camps, Looking beautiful, more beautiful than ever, Jamie thinks. Whatever else one might say, she did know how to make men love her when she cared enough to try. 
And on his way to Cersei's Solar, Jamie watches two dozen knights jousting, Loras being one of them, and he is by far the best. Jamie thinks that, you know, maybe Loras didn't get so lucky when they joust it, and uh, he kind of has a sad thought that he'll never get a chance to try him again. His days of holding a lance are far done too. Cersei is. That is a oh. sad little moment. Yeah. I, it is. I mean, you know. He has so in in so many ways he he after like he gets to King's Landing he doesn't get a lot of time to really think a lot about you know dealing with his hand I mean it's more like you know off I'm gonna say offhanded offhanded uh. moments of him dealing with it but I like this that he kind of sat there and watched the guys and it was just like he just had this moment of like oh you know I'll never get to do this again yeah yeah like I mean you know that part of his life is that part of his life is past and I mean it. It's almost like, you know, yeah, obviously in his case, because his hand got cut off. But, you know, like Brett Favre, for example, watching the the Green Bay Packers and thinking, you know, like that he's never going to do that again. Like that part of his life has passed and and whatnot. Hmm. So the Green Bay Packers lot are a football team. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Brett Favre's. The quarterback, right? Or the nickelback? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. Half dollar back? (laughs) Okay. Six pence back? (laughs) Six pence back. Uh, Cersei is with Toman and Lady Merriweather. Sexy, sexy Lady Merriweather. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Pycelle's there, too. Anyway, they're getting their drink on. Well, Cersei specifically is getting her drink on. And it seems to be something that she's doing a lot more these days. Um, She tells Jamie of how Lawless Stokeworth gave birth to a son. And she had wanted to name him Tywin, which she forbade. Instead, Bronn named the child Tyrion. Cersei isn't amused with Bronn's insolence and suggests that they send the little child a gift. Toman suggests... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sweet baby Toman says, let's send him a kitten. <laughs> and then uh, Lady Merriweather chimes in with like maybe a lion cub. Jamie thinks that uh, probably a new stepfather will be more likely Cersei's gift. Jamie recognizes the same look in Cersei's eyes. It's similar to how she had looked at the green burning tower of the hand. And he also thinks of how much it reminded him of King Aerys and the way that he looked at, you know, men that he was burning alive and um, how it aroused him. Normally Aerys and Queen Rayla would avoid each other, but whenever Aerys burned a man, he would visit her bedchamber and brutally rape her. Like, Honestly, you know, if 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 your life, you're wondering if she, you know, I wonder if she's gonna kill my uncle. Also, she's totally reminded me of of the Mad King that I, you know, went against everything in my vows in order to kill. But you know, everything's cool. Also, she's drinking too much. <laughs> like, really, like, he, I think he even has this thought, like, you know, lately he misliked everything she did. You know, yeah. It's really yeah. not going well for them. <sighs> See, uh, Jamie asks Cersei for a word alone. She dismisses Toman and Lady Merryweather asks if she should return for supper. And Cersei says, I shall be cross with you if you do not. Jamie, uh-huh, flirty. Yeah. She's laying it on thick. 
Jamie could no um, not help but watch the mirish woman's seductive walk as she leaves. <laughs> he really painted a picture God, with Jamie. this one, didn't he? <laughs> Jamie, 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 Jamie. I feel like this is more like George, 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 George. like laying it on thick about. Yeah, but he Gina. loves playing it on. Yeah. See, uh, Jamie tells her that, you know, Lady Merriweather is informing on her to Marjorie. She is, after all, one of her handmaidens. And Cersei's reply is, of course she is. She feeds her information, some true. And then Taina also tells Cersei everything Marjorie is doing. She has a young son, son one that she'll want to rise to a high station. So she makes herself useful. She told Cersei about the shaved coins the Queen of Thrones pays merchants with. And I've harped on this plenty in past yeah. episodes. Fuck you, Olana. Okay. <laughs> uh, see, they talk of Kevin. Uh, Jamie tells her that she should make good use of their uncle. Tywin always did. Cersei isn't having it, calling Kevin an old, done man. Jamie tells her, you'll uh, need a hand. If not Kevin, then who? And then Cersei says, not you. She suggests Tana's husband. His grandfather was a hand under Ares. Jamie points out he was also exiled and his land seized. And um, I just selected a little portion. Uh, let's see. Um, so when uh, Cersei adds that Tana would be pleased if she would make that appointment, he says, Is this about pleasing some mirish whore? Here I thought it was about governing the realm. I govern the realm. Seven save us all you do. His sister liked to think of herself as Lord Tywin with teats, but she was wrong. Their father had been as relentless and implacable as a glacier, where Cersei was all wildfire, especially when throtted. She had been giddy as a maiden when she'd learned that Stannis had abandoned Dragonstone, certain that he had finally given up the fight and sailed away to exile. When word came down from the north that he had turned up again at the wall, her fury had been fearful to behold. She does not lack for wits, but she has no judgment and no patience. You need a strong hand to help you. A weak ruler needs a strong hand, as Ares needed father. A strong ruler requires only a diligent servant to carry out his orders. She swirled her wine. Lord Helene might suit. He would not be the first pyromancer to serve as the king's hand. No, I killed the last one. Ugh, and she's just so infuriating. Like, I just can't, like, listen to that and not think of Trump, frankly. Like, mm. a strong ruler doesn't, you know, like, it's totally this inflated like, sense of her intelligence that I've just, ugh. Yeah. Well, least, to, ugh. To, to think that Stannis abandoning Dragonstone meant that he was giving up his fight for is so naive, and I don't even... How could you uh, think Cersei. that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, it's kind of embarrassing. I just... Uh, I mean, it's, it's amusing, but it's, you know, yeah, yeah. She's, she's a hot yeah. mess. Let's see. Uh, Jamie brings up the talk he's heard of her appointing the young and handsome Arain Waters to the maestership's position, thinking of Tyrion's words once again. He suggests Paxter Redwine instead. Uh, she tells him that he's Tyrell's man and she'll have none of his creatures about her and her council. And uh, he reminds her it's Tobin's council. 
Jamie tells her Orane Waters is a bad idea, and Helene, the pyromancer, are even worse. Also, he flags Kyburn, a man stripped of his chains by the Citadel. Like, why are you around this guy so much? Come on. Cersei calls him loyal, which is more than she can say of her own kin. And then again, another tiny, tiny paragraph. The crows will feast upon us all if you go this way, sweet sister. Cersei, listen. Listen to yourself. You are seeing dwarfs in every shadow and making foes of friends. Uncle Kevin is not your enemy. I am not your enemy. Her face twisted in fury. I begged you for help. I went down on my knees to you, and you refused me. My vows did not stop you slaying Ares. Words are wind. You could have had me, but you chose a cloak instead. Get out. Hey, get out. Anyway, sister. Get out, I said. I am sick of looking at that ugly stump of yours. Get out. To speed him on his way, she heaved her wine cup at his head. She missed. But Jamie took the hint. She's like in prime dynasty villain mode here. <laughs> How do you have this on the page and not adapt it with the actress that you I had playing that know. role? Like, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm are or is missing hand twice in one conversation too yeah totally it's not even like they don't love each other it's like they fucking flat out like can't stand each other and it's not like the you know it's not the way that brienne can't stand Hyle. it's the way you can't stand someone when you've it's like that feeling when you resent their you know you resent their presence in your life like oh my god (laughs) yeah like you actually are angry about it you know like that's how they actually feel about each other well and it's like jamie's thinking throughout this chapter like every positive thought that he has about cersei is entirely like (laughs) physical and surface related Mm -hmm. i mean like he wants to still sleep with her and everything he still thinks she's beautiful but it's like everything to do with her actions and how they interact he can't stand anymore Right. And I mean, he thinks, you know, that, yeah, she's like totally screwing everything up. So it's like she's an asshole to him personally. She she's totally screwing everything, you know, everything up for for their family. And, you know, and he thinks that maybe she's going crazy. Like, it's really, really, really bad. Hmm. Well, I mean, like the thing is, the consequences are going to be very real because, like, you know, this it's while well, it's about to get scary. I mean, like, you know, and he can't seem to it's just so hard for him to pull the trigger on actually getting active. Like he he sees what the problem is. And I, you can tell he already knows at this point that something needs to be done. I mean, the fact that he, you know, I mean, he kind of made sure that Tom and, and Marjorie got married as active as he has wanted to be just because, you know, he has this allergy to like actually doing anything like yeah in a position of authority or power he just doesn't want to have to have the responsibility but bureaucracy yeah i mean it's a little bit hamlet like at this point though it's just like jamie you can see that she just she's gonna completely you know (laughs) run the ship aground but he just doesn't just can't get off himself and like really make the move to do really do something about it it's so irritating i don't know Let's see. So um, back in the sword tower, he compliments Loris on his riding today. And Loris is less than humble at the compliment. Jamie is looking through. Loris the... is hilarious at the at it, actually. <laughs> like, what does he say? Like, 
oh, I was just okay. Like, yeah, he's like, you rode well today. He's like, oh, just well, is it? Kind of something like yeah. that, right? Better than well. Better surely. than well, I think. <laughs> uh, See, so Jamie is looking through the white book, and Loris tells him that Renly always said that books were for maesters, although he did have drawings in some of his books that could have turned a septon blind. Jamie tells him the stories inside would open his mind. He would do well to know the stories of those who went before you. Loris tells him he does know them and lists a few. Jamie recites a few more that Loris doesn't know. And, you know, there some of them are bastards that rose to the ranks of Kingsguard. There's Roland Darkland, the youngest man to serve, until Jamie, of course. He died within the hour of donning the white cloak. Laura says, he can't have been very good. Good enough, he died. But his king lived. A lot of brave men had worn the white cloak. Most have been forgotten. Most deserve to be forgotten. The heroes will always be remembered. The best. The best and the worst. So one of us is like to live in song. And a few who were a bit of both. Like him. He tapped the page he had been reading. Who? Sir Loris craned his head around to see. Ten black pellets on a scarlet field. I do not know those arms. They belonged to Kristen Cole. He served the first Viserys and the second Aegon. Jamie closed the white book. They called him Kingmaker. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I mean, these kind of endings, like, make me really nervous. Cause he feels- yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, I think this may make some reference to Jamie himself and that we're all, you know, if he's clearly making the decision to make himself regent at the end, you know, by the end of this book and and dance, but but this is much due to Eris Oakhart and the fact that Eris yeah. is choosing Marcella over Tommen because that's what Kristen Cole did. He chose what which side was he on? Was it Rhaenyra or Yeah, I think so. And this, Aegon. Well, know, it must have been Aegon. He must have been on Aegon's side because he served Aegon. And the Ares so. Oakhart chapter before this like actually talks about some of these same people. So this is more I, I feel like more about that plot than Yeah, it's kind of serving that purpose. However, this 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 I'm not saying it's completely unrelated to Jamie, yeah. maybe. So one thing that struck me in this chapter is um and it just kinda like it literally kind of felt like it struck me reading it because I wasn't expecting it, was um yeah, I'm just I'm gonna read a little bit if that's okay. Mm-hmm. This is like the scene where Cersei is kicking him out and you know, get out, I said. I'm sick of looking at the ugly stump of yours. Get out. To speed him on his way, she heaved her wine cup at his head. She missed, but Jamie took the hint. Evenfall found him sitting alone in the common room of the White Sword Tower. Like like the word evenfall was like Yeah, oh, yeah. like that stopped yeah. me in my tracks a bit too. Yeah, it totally stopped me in my tracks reading it because I was just like to see that in that context was, it felt very not accidental. I don't feel like you can use those words, you know, in that context with Jamie and his story and not have it like mean something about Brienne too. Cause this is like one of the few chapters where, you know, there really is no Brienne in it at all, except for that, you know, which is George putting that in there for us. Hmm. I, mean, I thought I like, like I thought Loris was hilarious though. Like, he was. Um, you know, he's just, you know, being cocky, talking about Renly's porn, basically. <laughs> like, he's really, like... Gives zero fucks. There's this relation... Well, and there's this relationship between the two of them that I really... Because, I, you know, I think he knows what's going to happen. Um, although, is he... I, actually, I don't know. Jamie's not 
Jamie's gone by the time that Loris goes off to Dragonstone, I think, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He doesn't, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, he's not really a part of that. So, I, I take that back. But, yeah, it's like a really interesting, an interesting dynamic that I kind of wish that there was a little bit more ex- exploration. Oh, yeah. I think they're characters that bring out something um, well, cause it's really like in, interesting in each other. Well, it was like in uh, the, I don't was it last week or the week before the, the chapter where Jamie's doing the vigil for, for Tywin and um, Loras like sincerely offers to like take the vigil for the yeah. night. And then when Jamie turns them down, even though Jamie's kind of a dick about it, Loras is like, no, I like goes to try to argue with him. Like, no, I should do it. Like you can tell there is a weird grudging, like friendship rivalry frenemy thing that they have going on. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's like, he's Jamie's protege, you know, yep. really. And, you know, that's not going to come to any fruition just given, you know, given all their circumstances, but it's interesting to see Jamie in that role because, you know, there's no one else in the King's guard that he would feel that way about. And, you know, well, no, no one he, in his he, family. He trusts Loras. He trusts Loras right. to take care of Thomas and anyone else. Like if it comes down to it, he's like Loras. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think he would trust Loras over Cersei. You know, I think he would, like there's well, a pretty easy call. <laughs> right. I mean, in, you know, in King's Landing, and I mean, he's not wrong, like in King's Landing, Cersei's going to get Tommen killed out of, you know, her own folly. But the Tyrells, you know, actually have every, every reason to protect him. And like, you know, Marjorie and Mace and Loras and Garland. And I mean, those are the people who actually would protect him. And, you know, by the end of this book, really. The town, yeah, they're yeah, I mean Mace. Yeah, Mace is the only one there that's you know not in jail basically. So I, it's you know it's pretty scary for poor Tommen. I try hard not to like bring the show up too much anymore, but like one thing that really pissed me off reading this chapter is like the fact that Jamie's sitting here pouring over you know the White Book yet again. Um, you know, and he's like mindful of, you know, learning from the histories and uh, paying attention to who these people were. And he, you know, you, you get the sense that he's like, he's actually really into it. And then on the show, they paint him as this like illiterate that couldn't really ever right. get his letters straight and literally throws the white book to the floor to like, well, fuck they, his sister. I wouldn't say that. They, I mean, he's portrayed as having a learning disability on the show, which is kind of a different thing, and that's fine. But yeah, no, uh, they, well, the way that they have Cersei call him stupid all the time on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, it's just out of the books. I Yeah. The insults to Jamie, I mean, on the show feel almost personal to the actor in, in a way. Like, honestly, I know that's like me being extremely no, paranoid, but it's paranoid. <laughs> it does feel there's weird. a, yeah, there's like a weird thing about it. It goes back to that whole concept of like, kind of mediocre men trying to frame Jamie as like the high school bully. Cause you know, he's the good looking jock, but really Jamie's the good looking jock that beats up the high school bullies. Like that's who Jamie is, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they're jealous of the character. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Probably yeah, jealous I don't know. of it's... the actor. I'll speak. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think, yeah. I mean, just given like the weird physical competitions they had with Jason Momoa and stuff too, like I would not put that like. Wait, weird physical competitions with like, who would do that? Like, <laughs> why? I've not People heard that, Like they didn't, they have like, they arm wrestled and Jason Momoa broke like David Benioff's arm or something. 
Yes. Really? And I mean, that's exactly what men who are... Or was it a thumb war? It was something. It was something. It was exactly the kind of thing that men who feel like they have something to prove would do against like a guy like Jason Momoa, who clearly has no nothing to compensate for. Like he is, you know, like what is he? No, he doesn't. <laughs> right, he has nothing to compensate for. There should be no insecurities there. So I mean it's There aren't any, you can tell. I mean they obviously have like a lot of insecurities and I think like a lot of the ways that Jamie is interpreted by men is framed around that. Sorry, any guys that listen, but no, I, heart, I, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't true. know. We don't know what it was that made them change the way that they were dealing with Jamie. But it's funny if you just re- watch, like, since we're already talking about the show, if you watch like the season three and even into four commentary that they that the, you know Benioff and Weiss did about Jamie, it's like they're talking about a different character than yeah. who they were talking Monster about as they got the six or seven. Eight, you know, I mean, well, they would still say things, but like they clearly did not intend to have Jamie end up where they had him end up. I don't know. It's just a weird deal. Yeah. I think they misunderstood him from the get go and they kind of dug in deep with whatever their interpretation was or their thought of him was. And And I think George probably tried to set them right. And they got to a point where like, whatever, we're just going to do what we want. Well, that worked out. You assholes. Didn't George approve a comment on his blog? Like, he actually, because, I mean, he approves the comments, and it was one that was, like, extremely critical of the Jamie per- Yeah, it was a very sharp comment that called out exactly what was wrong with the show characterization of Jamie. And I think we're talking, this is in season four. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, I, was, I don't, you know, well, I've talked about this at length. I mean. Well, I mean, season four, they turn him into a rapist. So, I mean, yes. really, you know. Yes. But as far as the books go, I mean. What George did with Jamie in, in Storm of Swords is in many ways what really put his his series kind of over the top for being really taken very, very seriously as as a, a pretty, you know, monumental work within the the fantasy, just yeah. fantasy genre. And it, it and I mean like I'm not I don't think it's overstating it to say you read the reviews, you read what people were talking about, critics and other authors and stuff, and they were talking about Jamie. So, you know, for George, Jamie and Jamie's characterization is very, very serious. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I think we've talked too about the Loris. And I mean, in Cersei too, like pretty much, you know, the three, the three core characters and, you know, the three core characters we see in this chapter are all just like, are all super interesting. Like, you know, the, you know, Jamie just on his own. And then you have Loris, who's, you know, this, you know, total this like cocky ass this cocky ass kid but also like someone who's capable of like you know this really like great love like not just for Renly but I mean for his family and for you know his house too like he's really got like he's got like such a heart and then Cersei who's just like such a hot crazy mess and you know to turn them into the characters that they were turned into like all of the richness was drained from them and yeah. this is one of those chapters where i mean frankly nothing happens really in this chap i mean or very little actually oh. happens in this chapter but you know it kind of sets up where you know it sets up where these characters are and really you know it's just really about like the fact that you know yes Jamie and Cersei fucking hate each other right now <laughs> like that's really i feel like what this chapter is about and so it's about those characters and it's like reading this again, you realize like, Oh my God, those characters weren't on my TV screen. Like ever, mm-hmm. like never. And what a shame. Yep. All right. Uh, mail to mail. We do. Let me, um, 
Let me turn around and find it. <laughs> turn around. What kind of setup do you have? Yeah, there? like I, I have a swivel stool. <laughs> like a lair? No, I have a swivel chair at my desk. So uh, that was what I was doing. And now I'm struggling with um, scrolling down a, a piece of a, a document. So that behind the scenes stuff that I, I know our listeners are fascinated by. Okay. So um, we have a question from Sir Bonifer. Uh, saying, will Queen Cersei be around for Endgame? Jamie remembers Cersei watching the Tower of the Handburn, noting that she seemed perhaps to be aroused by watching the flames, um, which reminds me, which reminds Jamie of Ares. I had thought that the show ending with Cersei still on the throne was BS, but now having read this scene, I wonder, am I supposed to take away from this that Cersei will be back as a major player? Is she really gonna is she really going to blow up the Sept of Baylor? I mean, we don't know. She might blow up the Sept of Baylor, but it won't be at the end. I think it'll be, it would probably be in wins. Right. Like, and I, I just, I mean, if she makes it halfway through wins, I guess I'm still going to be shocked. I will be shocked. Well, it'll just be George not getting far enough in the plot if she makes it through wins. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, it's, you feel like she's pretty much done. I don't know what more she has to do. Um, you know, you never know, but. I feel pretty confident that, no, it's going to be, you know, Fagon that we're going to be dealing with in the books at the end with the Danny showdown. We we had a couple of comments about the Kingmaker and, you know, what the significance of this is. And I, I think we, you know, kind of covered that. We, we really don't think it's necessarily foreshadowing, maybe more about um, the Ares O'Cart plot. Well, like I said, I do think Jamie intends to make himself regent. Um, and yeah. get involved in that way. So, I mean, a little bit, yes. He, I, I think a little bit of what you're talking about with Kristen Cole is you're talking about a, a kingmaker who plays a, a little Praetorian, Praetorian guard where he's like, you know, going to get involved and kind of make some decisions about the ruling. And in that sense, yes, Jamie. I mean, may, but well, in another sense, though, too, I mean, we do expect that Jamie is going to be at some point potentially in the presence of, you know, Rhaegar's son. And is he going to be, you know, part of a kingmaker for Jon? Now, it's yeah, like kind of hard to imagine Jon's going to sit the throne, but, you know, if Jamie ever knows who Jon is, it's sort of like, it would be, it's very easy for me to imagine Jamie advocating for, um, for John. I mean, if you really want that to go tinfoil. That may very well happen. Yeah, I, that, may, that may happen. I, I don't know. That may very well happen. Or if you go super tinfoil, it's like, well, you know, Brienne has those Targaryen ties. Is that mm. like... No. I think we don't thing- know. We don't know what those ties are, though. Like, did someone... Because I've been seeing a lot of discussion of this in fandom. Yes, yeah. there is in the world of Ice and Fire talk that there is ties with House Targaryen and House Tarth. We have no idea what they are. It might have been a lady from House Tarth marrying into House Targaryen. We we don't actually know that Brienne has any Targaryen ancestry. It's a, kind of a you 50-50. Don't, but I feel like you wouldn't mention it if she didn't. So. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. I mean, like, you might. If you're George. I mean, but with George? Look at the minutia he gets true. into. That's true. I mean, he would get into the minutia. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I still think there's a good chance that after, you know, that basically after the Baratheons, the Tarths, the Tarths are the uh, next, you know, closest well, relatives. They and, aren't though, because Egg has two sisters. We really right. don't know. So if they're right, we don't know. And like, they all that. had kids, so we right. really. Did. 
even if there is a tie, it, it is unlikely that Brienne is anywhere in I any sort of train of to even succession. See it go back to that though. I'm no, yeah. zero interest in figuring out who's the best Targaryen descendant to take the throne. No, thank you. But I feel Don't like someone would have an interest in that would be George R. R. Martin. <laughs> Really? No, I don't uh, think so. No. no That's not what I see with I I don't and if if that were the case why wait so long to give her a POV? Why wait until, you know, yeah. your fourth book? I That's mean, true. I don't But again, you know, why wait so long to bring Egan into it too? So I mean, I it just we have no idea now, number 1 what the tie is, number 2 if it's even a legitimate tie, number 3, you know, how far back it is or how mm-hmm. where that would put her in a line of succession. It's probably at least four or five generations back and it would probably put her a lot deeper definitely than the Targaryens, probably even deeper than the Targaryen or sorry, the Baratheon bastards. So, I mean, like I just wouldn't just I know it's fun. I know it's fun. <laughs> so we um, we have a message about from really awesome costumes on Tumblr who wants to know: uh, Is Kyburn going to let Cersei know that Jamie and Brienne took a naked bath together? So damn it, Kyburn's another one that has Jamie Brienne info. Why so have we never talked about this shit, you guys. There's yeah, Charlie, Kyburn, and Red Ronnet who know all kinds of shit about Jamie and Brienne's relationship. What the fuck? It's just he's lining it up for that one juicy like chapter. That it's one juicy really good, Cersei, Cersei chapter. Scene. Get all three of these guys with Cersei, and just or all even of it comes just up. like oh yeah. Kevin said that Jamie might have left with the maid of Tarth, and Kyburn going the maid of Tarth. There, you know, he jumped. I mean, does she even know about the bear pit? Like, I don't think she I knows assume. any of that. If I mean, you assume. Knows, yeah. You would assume that would have gotten around, but you know. I mean, the rumor, wouldn't you really love to hear her hearing the rumor about the cat Brienne threesome? Like, that's the one that would be super fun. Because <laughs> I'm sure, you know, she probably would not doubt the cat part. Um, we have an email from Sarah who says, I'm new to both the books and your podcast, and I am loving both. You ladies are the bee's knees, and I adore listening to your insightful reflections. I find myself talking back to you as I listen and feel like I have found some kindred spirits. Um, the fact that you use the term kindred spirits actually totally <laughs> makes you a kindred spirit, yeah, by the way. Of us. Yeah, you make me smile and I so look forward to listening to you. I save up the episodes and listen to them when I go for a walk, savoring them like I would my favorite sweet treat. Sometimes I laugh and talk back, so I think the people in my neighborhood might think I'm a bit nuts. But I just smile at them and wave and hope they can find they can also find some kindred spirits to bring joy to their life. I came upon your podcast after I watched season eight of Game of Thrones. It was and is a balm for my broken heart and unexpressed anger. Oh my god, the season ending was so bad, and it was such a relief to find people who really got it. Finding people with whom you can say, Me too, I agree, is a gift that keeps on giving. I took your advice and decided to read the books. I've read all of the Jamie and Brienne chapters, and I'm now starting on all the others. So good. So good. I truly, madly, deeply love the characterizations of both Jamie and Brienne in the books. So I wanted to write and say a proper thank you to all of you for helping me feel understood and validated and empathized with, and all my thoughts and feelings about Jamie and Brienne, Game of Thrones, and A Song of Ice and Fire. To Each of you are all kinds of lovely. Um, love Sarah from the Land of Oz. P.S. I've been Aww. making my way through all of your episodes, and in some of the early ones, you talk about the lack of listeners and mail <laughs> from Australia. <laughs> Each time I say out loud, "Me, I'm here. I'm Australian. Good day." 
<laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that too. So that I think that is about it for this one. I uh, just we did get mail from about um, from Quasbot, I think. And it's we're going to save that one for Brienne four because I think that gets a little bit more into um, our friend Nimble Dick. So yeah, I think we've had um, that one for like a few weeks. So just to let you know, we're holding on. We're to holding the on to one. it. <laughs> okay, um, thank you. Um, so we do love getting mail. Please send us more at close the door and at gmail.com. You can also message us on Tumblr at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. You can follow us on Twitter at door podcast. Uh, check us out on Reddit, uh, Jamie and Brianne subreddit. Um, we also have a Facebook and we have Patreon. So we really do enjoy and appreciate all our Patreon subscribers. Check us out there. Um, wherever you listen, please like, review, and subscribe. I want to thank you both for podcasting tonight. I will be now closing the door. Get out.